Hey, hey, how's it going? It's good. Glad to be here on uh, hardcover uh, video number six. <laughs> How is, uh, how's your last week been? Uh, it's been pretty good. It's been uh, quite uh, cold in London, but it was okay. Inside feels good. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> pretty good. We had uh, about three inches of snow last night, so it, it's always... It's always a lot of fun to just wake up and see like all the mountains covered in snow. Like, as soon as <laughs> as soon as that time of the year ends, I always kind of miss it a little bit, even if even if it does mean I'm able to actually go outside to the mountains and not worry about slipping every time. That sounds very cool. I mean, I wish there was more more snow here, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we uh, we. I think we're we're like going out to uh, uh, walk around a dog park, which is like one of the few areas that like, you know, I, I, I feel pretty safe walking around with my knee. And uh, there's a there's a dog park here, which uh, they have to like they send an alert. People have to have their dogs on leash there now because a whole herd of elk moved into the dog park. <laughs> what? OK, so it's an elk park now. <laughs> yeah. It's an elk park. It's like, wow. it's kind of in a, a, a ravine right next to the interstate. So it's like down in a valley. And so okay. there's like trees and like foliage. And that whole area was like the dog park with like, um, like fences along the sides on the top of the ravine. So it was, it was always a fun place to bring dogs, but now, uh, yeah, oh, like a dozen or so elk have moved in. <laughs> Wow, that sounds pretty uh, amazing and, yeah, a bit, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm guessing you'd have to, like, mind the elk now. <laughs> Are they, like, yeah. do they get angry? I think they try to stay as far away from the dogs as possible. <laughs> okay, okay. Any theories <laughs> as to what brought them there? Or is there, like, elk treats someone left around or just, like, randomness? Yeah, probably just, uh, like... The mountains at this time of year are just like covered in snow. There's no real foliage at, you know, we're getting towards the end of winter. The foliage is kind of winding down that they've been eating through all, all winter. So they were probably just trying to find new, new green stuff to eat. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, elk invasion in the dog park sounds like <laughs> a really interesting event <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see the elk. Send me some pics of the elk. I mean, if you can get like close <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. If, if we, if we spot some from a safe distance, I'll, I'll make sure to take some pictures. <laughs> yeah. That sounds great. Well, yeah, I haven't had any elk, uh, elk stories. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> no else for me, I guess. Uh, uh, well, aside from, aside from that, what have uh, you been up to on hardcover last uh, last week? Well, I was thinking we could uh, go through some hardcover news because uh, we've been having some uh, really uh, cool updates lately. Um, for uh, my end, uh, I've been uh, building our UI library, which will help with the future improvements for the site that uh, we're planning. And uh, I'm hoping that would be like a really good uh, asset to have once we get the apps out there because the iOS app is out there. I don't know if we had, actually we said that, uh, or did we? Uh, in I think we said that last, last week, yeah. Okay, okay. So one week, uh, uh, the iOS app has been in the app store. Uh, for one week and uh, we're getting the Android app ready, uh, which will happen in the coming weeks. So I'm guessing uh, working around that uh, was uh, really interesting. And uh, we've also got uh, a very cool development that of course you made happen. Uh, and uh, the followers on our Discord uh, saw it. Uh, for in the realm of uh, having book recommendations made by AI, uh, which is something we're testing now. Uh, 
uh, and it's showing so far really interesting results. I think um, I'm I've been trying it, and I'm curious to see if other people tried it as well because uh, I think it works pretty neat for cases when uh, you want to uh, have book recommendations, you know, in a certain area that's tougher to research, I guess. For me, it's been rendering some really cool results. I don't know. How about, how about you? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the experience we're talking about is the Ask Jules experience on hardcover, which is effectively using uh, the OpenAI chat API that they released last week on March 1st. And uh, even before that experience was released, Stay had already done some mock-ups in Figma on like what an AI bot would look like with like how that experience might work. And then like, like a week after he made those prototypes, uh, OpenAI released this chat bot API. I'm like, well, this timing's too good. And so on, yeah, last Thursday, I just like spent four hours and threw together a prototype of it. Um, and I'll, I'll share my screen as we talk about this. Yeah, let's go through it. Do some actual live testing. Here we go. Ask Jules. Yeah. <laughs> live. Yeah. So yeah, behind the scenes, effectively what we're doing is uh, like at this point, like nothing has hit chat GPT. We're just like, this is all hard coded at this point. But then as soon as you uh, send any question, any, uh, it could be, it could be a question. It could be like, here's some of my tastes, whatever you want to say at this point, it's sending it to chat, uh, chat GPT API. And it's including some, some scripts on the back end along with it to let chat GPT know like who Jules is, what the personality that you should, it should be answering in is. And I, I think like that, even that like couple sentences of description kind of gives it a little more personality than just like a flat personality answering questions. Um, yeah, like my, my, my wife and I were just having a conversation about um, like, what are like, what are some good science fiction books that featured like really good romances? So I was actually kind of curious to ask that in here. Here we go. Let's see. <clears> How's <throat> the time machine dune? Yeah. So I feel like some of these are, are the ones that we, we were talking about. Like we were talking about time traveler's wife. That, that's the one I'm currently reading as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, okay. But I feel like there's a lot of work that can be done here because I don't I don't know if I consider Hunger Games to be like a great romance. I feel like it's it's like a a light romance, but I feel like there's a world of difference between like a an Outlander or like a time traveler's wife romance and like uh, it's it, I, I guess it'd be like a coming of age romance. I guess that would be the difference: a coming Ooh, of age romance okay. versus like a yeah, yeah that's like a, a good relationship because... later in life. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, I there's plenty of romance in the Hunger Games, but it is a coming of age romance more than anything else, I guess. Yeah, what if I say um, ones that aren't coming of age romances? <laughs> yeah, let's see. It's all in the question with this. I mean, uh, I asked for some lesser known books and it's given me some, uh, uh, ah, here we go. I keep seeing this one recommended. Maybe I well, the long way to a small angry planet. Okay. Seems like it has some potential romance in there just by the title. Yeah. And I still haven't read this oh. Ursula Le Guin book. Like it, it yeah, keeps coming I, up. Yeah. It's been quite popular, Ursula, on uh, hardcover. I've seen uh, some uh, of the of her books in the feed, uh, which is like really, yeah. really interesting. Uh, 
Yeah, it's the results, I guess, are uh, debatable. I asked for uh, some lesser known uh, books from lesser known authors, and it gave me some books, which, of course, to some like really hardcore readers, or let's not say hardcore, but people reading in a genre might seem, oh, okay, uh, this has, I've seen this all over the place. Uh, but uh, for instance, from for someone who was outside, uh, the, you know, certain genre or wasn't like into, uh, that, that niche specifically, uh, I think could have been valid. So I guess it comes down to how it interprets, you know, things like less known or romance for that, uh, for that matter. Um, I'm guessing it would give the popular books first. So I'm wondering what a prompt for bringing up uh books which are more obscure would sound like hmm. maybe i yeah. should like writing more i don't know if obscure is a good word uh what's wonderful about this is that you can put like really anything in this i've uh tried like really complex prompts like uh non-fiction books written by women authors who uh that involve nature or you know any kind of term and it's given me some really like i mean i couldn't have found those results anywhere else because you know it's not something that would uh be written uh in a blog post so that was pretty pretty nice what about these i mean you tell me adam your uh <laughs> Apparently, some of these books are already in your one to read list. Yeah, I think like the city we became is one that I've wanted to add to my want to read because it's by N.K. Jem. Oh yeah, Jemison. But yeah, these and this this one, Space Between Worlds, I've I've definitely heard about. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll. This one I don't even I don't think I've heard about. <laughs> an ancient Whoa. society of witches and a hipster technological startup <laughs> go to war as the world is <laughs> tearing itself apart. Okay, yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, that sounds yeah. really fun. Look at that. Wow, okay. That's yeah. actually pretty badass. Yeah, this one this one seems more war and soldier, so I might skip that one. But yeah. This uh the way that this ends up working behind the scenes is that we have a, a rule that tells ChatGPT to return the book, but then also return um, the ISBN in a format like ISBN colon, and then like the full ISBN. And uh, what we do is like we we remove that so that it doesn't show up here. And then we make another request to the hardcover servers to get the books matching those ISBNs and then the current users like a status for that book in the second request. So at, at this point, like chat GPT doesn't know anything about the user's preferences or what books they've read or haven't read, but we were, we were talking about it some this weekend and that would be kind of one of the logical next steps is like loading it with the books that you already enjoy as you're browsing this and um, having that context. So it doesn't recommend things that you've already read or, um, it uses what you've read to recommend things that it knows you'll like. Yeah. This in conjunction with the match score that we already have, I think is going to be like a really powerful tool to discover new books. And for this kind of guided discovery where you just mention words or moods or vibes or keywords or uh, anything really, uh, so far has been proving like really powerful. So yeah, it's really interesting how it would uh, mix in when we will actually be able to send uh, each one's preferences. So this would basically mean that uh, your reading preferences uh, would actually uh, matter in how those results would be generated in real time, right? Yeah. 
that sounds yeah. pretty good. I mean, on the premise of uh, finding books that you might like, I think this really, uh, it delivers even in this state, but I'm really like uh, looking forward to how it can deliver uh, when it actually has those reading preferences because like that's the holy grail, having someone who knows all about what you like to read and knows all about all the books ever written that is actually able to recommend something that uh, is outside, you know, the usual loop of uh, books that you see in uh, every feed, you see on every network and you see uh, everywhere else. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of exciting. And uh, we have lots of ideas from uh, uh, all of our team on how we can uh, uh, deliver updates to this. So that's a pretty interesting space to, to explore, I guess. And uh, it's been amazing that you put it together so fast. It's, 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 it's basically one React component and one API endpoint on our server, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, everything it's else, I mean, like, it's... yeah, everything else was using our existing GraphQL API. Didn't have to make any changes to the backend. Just, you know. Yeah. See the uh, benefits of good architecture. <laughs> They're that finally was... paying off, I guess. That was one of the things that I'm like, I, I want to figure out how we can do more of and how we can even leverage the community to do more of it's like mm -hmm. um this like labs experience one of the things i was considering was like what if we make labs like a a subdomain as like an open source project that anyone can do prs against and it's it's like its own little um playground for um hardcover api concepts and then yeah uh, that sounds like the, yeah yeah because ideally I, i'd love to just make the entire front end open source but i think we're we're, we're still a little ways away from that <laughs> yeah i'm guessing uh for that we'd need more documentation right and for it to be more yeah. robust but uh this labs thing sounds great because we've already had some uh uh people in the discord that uh, who are uh, working on uh, improvements to the way we do imports for instance that uh, starts dates uh, end date uh, conundrum with with hit and it would be like really interesting yeah. because i guess one of the long term plans is to uh have it as an open source project, but that just requires us bringing it to a level where uh, it's robust enough so that it wouldn't uh, be at risk to, you know, actually head in way in directions uh, that, uh, you know, we wouldn't want it to. Uh, but that goal is there, which is this could work up to it really well, I'm guessing. So I really like that idea, uh, having this uh, playground for people who want to contribute. Because, I mean, clearly there are people mm -hmm. who want to to contribute. And it would be, like, interesting to see uh, how, that, yeah, and, uh, how and, that happens. And it could even be, like, one of the other benefits of it is it, it, is it ends up being example uses of the API that people could use on their own and their own projects. Um, so it's it's like an open source example library of, of uh, usage. So like someone could create their own like blog widget, for instance, and that could be in Hardcover Labs and then someone could just copy that and use it on their blog or things like that. Yeah, that so would be like some really, them... really interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, if we can set that up, that would be really great. And I think we'll make some of the users on Discord uh, happy. We have some uh, really uh, good developers who I think would be eager to have uh, a try at uh, at this. Um, it's also opening up some um, really nice uh, opportunities regarding book data. Uh, Adam and I have been talking about how Leatherboxed 
uh, handles the descriptions for films. And uh, it's uh, really neat how they, uh, for each film, have a really short, I think, one sentence description, then a slightly longer description that captures the essence of the film, uh, which, of course, for films is way easier because you don't get as many uh, films, uh, movies in general, uh, as you do books. Books, I think, I don't know, they may be like 10 or maybe even 100 to 1 outnumbering movies, <laughs> uh, which also tells you a, a bit about our mission to like build a platform for books. Uh, but coming back to that, uh, I think we can extract like a lot of interesting data for the books using this and uh, using the yeah. ChatGPT API. Um, I've done some tries. Uh, I've actually asked it to make me a prompt that would generate uh, that kind of description. Uh, and it's been working out really well. Uh, the prompt that worked really well was, can you impress me with a brief and creative summary of book title that will make me want to read it shorter than 90 characters? So that actually gives you uh, one sentence description for each book and it does it really well. I've tried it on the metamorphosis. I tried it on like some of the books I've, I've read and it's uh, pretty accurate. If you ask it to give you options, you can also like choose among the options and the options are really good. Some of them are like describing in 90 characters, which is about... Uh, well, I guess uh, six, seven, eight, nine, about 10 words. In 10 words, it sums up the book really nicely and it tries to actually persuade you to read it without offering any spoilers. And then you could do that for even longer description. Uh, so you could ask for that one sentence uh, book description so you can like uh, see what the book is about at a glance. And then you can ask it for a 400 character description. So that's, uh, you know, about two tweets long. And yeah. it tells you all you want about the book. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And th yeah, that would be, that would be amazing to like store those in our database and then just show those for every book. And it, it feels like that's like the, the start of it. Like having those would be an improvement on the descriptions that we have today, since so many of them start with like New York Times, a, a winning series from author who has done this book, this book, and this book, and something else, all in capital letters, and then it starts the description of the book. Like yeah. it's like yeah, yeah, we don't. Most people don't need that. Like that's that's what you need on like the back cover of a book when you're reviewing it for the first time and you don't know anything about the context, but. I, I feel like the readers that are looking at a book page on hardcover, like if they want to look at the author, they're going to look at the author. What they're interested in is the book content. And so it feels like this is getting much more improved book content for the description than what we currently have for sure. Yeah. And, and I love that what, it's also like, yeah, it's also normalized. So it's like the same length uh, and it gives you that predictability and this you can find like on any book platform because uh, what's crazy about book data is it all comes from the same sources. I mean, it's either Google Books or Open Library, which is kind of a mess. I mean, it's a great library, but uh, the descriptions from there are really, really messy. Uh, or from, I mean, the Goodreads API has been discontinued, so there's not even that, which is crazy to think that, uh, you know, uh, the data about the books is, I mean, basically, I guess it's mostly Google. Would that be right? <laughs> there's there's one other source, which is the, the paid ISBN service. And the, mm. that's what a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of services are paying for that book data. And the other one is, uh, oh man, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of it, but uh, another, another book tracking website that is massive, but now Amazon owns part of it also. Oh, wow. Okay. So Amazon. Oh, uh, li li library thing. <laughs> oh, library thing. They got the stake in that. I didn't even know. Oh, those tentacles. Yeah. yeah. They, they bought like a, 
I don't know if it's all of it or, or just part of it, like uh, 10 plus years ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But, but library, that, library thing actually sells their reviews to um, e-commerce sites. So sometimes when you're looking at Walmart and there are reviews, those reviews weren't done by Walmart patrons who bought the book. They're reviews from library thing that they're okay. showing on walmart.com. Wow. That's really shady. I mean, it's in their TOS, but it's a, yeah, but still, I mean, I, mean a, I wouldn't want my review to like be poached by Walmart to sell more books. <laughs> I can tell you that. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, uh, like, yeah that, that's pretty crazy how it, I mean, even this, I mean, considering books, I mean, it's a huge thing and it's like, what, five, six actors who own the data and it's being gated by huge sums of money. So if to get it from ISBN, you'd have to, I'm wondering if like getting uh, data via chat GPT for uh, most of the popular, really popular, let's say 100,000 books would actually be cheaper to run than actually getting it via the ISBN service. <laughs> oh, for 100%. Like the ISBN service is like multiple thousand per month after the first year. And, the, and like the JetGPT API is like a penny per like thousand hits. So like we could, like once we had our algorithm and our, our query correct, our prompt that we were asking ChatGPT correct, we could potentially fill all of our data for like a buck. <laughs> wow. So that, it's, it's going to be... <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm, but, I mean, I'm seeing why we should do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, even if it's like for a mission to like get better book data for, for books that's like not gated, I'm guessing just have something mine book data for, let's say the most popular books on hardcover, because we know what, uh, what those are, uh, in the background, nailing that would be like really, really great, especially because we can generate like really cool snippets. I don't think, uh, a one, uh, this one sentence description for the most popular, like 100 K books of all time is something you can get from anywhere. So it would yeah. actually be nice to have it. Yeah. I really like and that about Letterboxd. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a fan of it too. Yeah. I, I think one other like potential future idea for it is that like this description, um, like when, when, when you were prompting it, it's a, it's a generic, it's a generic description of the book that's going to apply to everyone, but maybe the description could be different if the person looking at it is a big fan of romance books or they're a big oh. fan of sci-fi books. So it's like, write a description of this book for someone who really loves book, this book, this book, and this book, and loves this genre, this genre, and this genre. Wow. That'd and be then like that's going to so change what the description level. talks about. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's like, that's freaking, I mean, uh, it's crazy that that's achievable, right? I mean, that's actually like one prompt <laughs> yeah. away. And uh, yeah, it would be really nice. I'm actually wondering if we can ask for suggestions on how to write that algorithm from ChatGPT itself. Uh, <laughs> Probably. I mean, yeah, that would be like really uh, meta uh thing to for it to do but i mean it does write its own prompts uh, apparently so uh i mean of course it, the thing knows itself and the way it works better than we do so yeah <laughs> i'm actually yeah. i've at, at some point i've i've wondered if they actually wrote the documentation for the whole uh, api using chat GPT, because I think that would be like totally doable. And maybe that's one of the reasons why it's so easy to implement. Uh, plus they have access to the newer models. Uh, so I mean, they could, I, my, my guess is that was written by a human. <laughs> okay. I could be wrong. I mean, I could be wrong. I think I'm close I, I, to like, 
Yeah. We could bet on yeah. that. But <laughs> yeah, maybe it was written by a human. Let's see. But, but it's that's so easy. To say, yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the documentation was written by it. Yeah. Just to, yeah. I think yeah. in any way we're we're pretty close uh, for uh, to the moment when uh, the model could actually like write its own documentation and improve it. Uh, I've seen that it actually can self-correct when uh, you asked it for code problems. Well, that wasn't ChatGPT; that that was another one. I think it was Claude or something. No, it wasn't Claude. Uh, anyways. It can self-correct before presenting you the result. So uh, before this, you'd actually get the result, you'd get the error, uh, you'd uh, tell it that it's uh, uh, through an error and you'd get the correct result back. But now it actually anticipates that error as well. But I don't mm -hmm. think it was chat GPT, it was another thing. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, it would be interesting to see if, uh, we can get at least some suggestions on how to write the algorithm uh, for whatever database we have. Yeah, and and bringing this back to uh, uh, book data, one of the one of the things that I'm hoping we can do in the next uh, month that I'm going to start like sketching out is like our the next phase of our our like book data setup. <laughs> So like right now, the way our, our book data works at a, at a high level is we, we have a book <laughs> and a book has many editions. These are editions in different languages, audiobooks, um, you know, physical book, ebook. That way, you know, if you're reading um, Ender's Game, there's one book that represents Ender's Game and there are many, many editions that contain information about the book. And behind the scenes, we're hitting different APIs and storing information about each edition. And then we're figuring out which edition is the best edition and then using that data on the book itself, on the book page. So we might have 50 different descriptions about a book from 50 different editions, and then we're figuring out which one to use on the book. And I think that's, that's that's a good start, but I feel like having that chat GPT description would be a better description for one. But also one of our, one of our problems is that um, as we have all these editions, we sometimes don't know what the best edition is. Um, like we have like the, our, our internal algorithm um, does like a score for how good an edition is based on how much data we have. So like if, if we have a cover that's worth so many points, if we have a, a title that's worth so many points, well, we always have a title. If we, <laughs> if we have a release date, if we have a format, all these pieces of data um, let us know that this edition has more data and then the better the edition is, then the more likely we are to use that as the canonical edition for that book. Um, but going this route, we wouldn't have to worry about scoring editions anymore. We'd just be able to like ask chat GPT for the best one, but we would still have to most likely associate what, like we're going to be asking chat GPT about a book. That means asking it about an edition because the edition is what has the ISBN. So we're still going to say like, this edition is the best edition. Or maybe, maybe we ask like, you know, we have we have a book. We ask ChatGPT, "What is the best audiobook? What is the best um, ebook? What is the best hardcover book? What is the best um, mass market paperback?" And it tells us the ISBNs for those. And then in our database, we mark those in our as like this is the best audiobook, and that's the one that people will automatically use if they select that they've read it in audio format. So I think like that step is gonna improve our data a lot because then we'll know what the best edition is because of chat, B chat GPT. <laughs> so that's one yeah. thing that I'm excited about. Yeah, that sounds great. And obviously I think uh, the way we're thinking about editions and we're approaching editions is uh, the most complete and I mean, uh, 
the most comprehensive uh, way I've uh, encountered. I know other book apps uh, can let you choose edition, but uh, let me just share my screen to show uh, people what we're actually working on. Uh, just a sec. Okay. So uh, we actually have the book tracking over here and basically each edition would be associated with uh, each uh, date read. So each date, each read of a book would have uh, a specific edition associated with it. So when you would change a book, you wouldn't do like you normally do on uh, other book apps where you would uh, change the edition uh, for uh, the whole, let's say, instance of that book for you on the network, you'd actually like say uh, which one you actually read or listened to or read as an ebook, which I think uh, is more reflective of the way reading is done because you are reading a uh, uh, certain, uh, certain edition uh, and you know, there is an edition which is the most popular, but it might not be your edition. It could be uh, we're selecting the most popular or the, or the best, uh, let's say, edition as a default here when you actually read it. But you can also change that. Uh, there's lots of people who read the books in uh, uh, foreign languages, translated books or books that are... Uh, a certain edition that's you know rare or more special and this lets you actually mark that uh edition in your read so yeah small preview of what we're actually <laughs> doing now for the read uh, and the book tracking uh dialogue so yeah that's pretty <laughs> exciting how it will uh pan out yeah i yeah, I'm, I'm excited about using uh, OpenAI for that now, especially now that we've we've tried it out on Astrals and kind of have realized how easy it is. I think I think one of the differences is that for this kind of book data step, we're going to be using a different API from uh, OpenAI. Um, the one we're using right now is the chat API, and the chat API has like a series of messages back and forth where you're saying um, the system says this. And then you have an idea of an assistant. Mm -hmm. So our assistant is saying like, return books with the ISBN. Like that's not something the reader ever sees. And then you have the reader's messages. So it's like a conversation while this API would be using just the regular prompt API where we're, where we're saying, um, give us back this data. Here's a big JSON file of what we want the format to look like. Just give me back all the data in this format. <laughs> And if we yeah. can do that, that'll be amazing because it'll basically be using it as an API, just like we're using open library or just like we're using Google books, except it's an API that's being dynamically created by what we ask it for. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. I'd actually like really, uh, see if we ask it for like that exact same thing you said, Adam, uh, just put it in a prompt and see what it outputs because uh it might offer some some tips and yeah it's crazy too i mean um for all sorts of uh, tasks ranging from creative ones to programming ones i think it's a real good accelerator so not a replacement but an accelerator uh when you're stuck when you're like uh yeah that's that that's really that's really good and uh i've been trying to use it I've been trying to actually see how it can be used for designs as well. So far, I've been getting uh, like feature explanations for it. So I've been asking uh, if I have an app called Hardcover, which does book tracking, uh, what are the things that uh, are most likely to uh, be good features for it or something along those lines? And uh, it's cool because it actually gives me most of the features we're building. So props to us because, I mean, apparently we've been as good as the hive mind so far. Uh, or some things which are on, on our roadmap, 
So it's giving me like social features, uh, a really good book tracking experience, uh, setting goals. So these are things that were actually generated. And, you know, it's good because knowing, having access to all human knowledge is probably like, like in a position to give you like an exhaustive list of all the things that people are looking for. Um, so yeah, for design, definitely usable in that regard. I'm wondering what, uh, if and how it would match with uh, the ideas we've generated for uh, recommendations and uh, suggesting books in general to people. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's a really good uh, accelerator for work so far. And and there, I feel like uh, with the book data, we're going to hit a lot of points where we're like, we need to make decisions about like book data. Uh, like for instance, um, I was going through and cleaning up um, the Brennan Sanderson, the author, his author page for like all the books that have been added under him. And there are a lot of books that have been added that were in foreign languages. And our algorithm on the back end didn't pick those up as being an addition of an existing book. So it created a yeah. new book with the foreign language title while we also have the, the, uh, the English title. But we want yeah. those to all be the same book, but we just want them to be an international version under the book that we will have its own page and we'll have its own translated info later. But we don't want it to have, we don't want it to say like, Brendan Sanderson has 10,000 books. <laughs> we want yeah. it to say he has exactly the unique amount of books that he's written across all languages in one language. So yeah. one of the, like the ways that we can handle something like that, um, I was playing with using chat GPT, like I, like I was going through it. And as I was going through it, I was like copying a title, like, and asking it like this book by like, uh, it, this, this foreign language title by Brendan Sanderson, what is the English title of this book? And for the most part, it was able to come back and find out what those, what the title was, even though if I searched for it on Google or if I searched for it on Goodreads, it wasn't giving me the title. Oh, wow. Which is okay. crazy to think it was, it was better than Google or Goodreads <laughs> at wow, determining okay. that, what book yeah, it was. That's, that's actually major. I mean, yeah, I wasn't expecting the second part. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's actually pretty cool, uh, especially because you can actually do that on an algorithm basis. You can tell it that for any book title and maybe we can use it for those associations. I've noticed that as well. Uh, we have some extra books in foreign languages, which would be great to, you know, uh, associate under an edition. Uh, so yeah, for for book data, definitely, I'm wondering how this will uh, this will play out. Uh, it's definitely exciting to to see it uh, uh, to see it in action. Yeah, I'm trying one out now. So like, this is this is what I just. Uh, uh, So yeah, like I was, I was going through and so like I asked it, like, this is the title that we have on hardcover for this book. And oh, here we go. This is what it says. Yeah. And I could say like, I could probably say like, uh, what is the ISBN of the English version? <laughs> and oh, here we I have go. a feeling... Okay, so if yeah. I take this, here we go. And if I let me uh, let me share this window instead. So that was that one. So if I go to Fireflight, Firefight, and go to Editions, and it's the first edition. So yeah, like oh, here it, we go. Like it it matched it to the edition that we already have in our database. Yeah, that's crazy. Which is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's going to be great. I actually asked it for one of the other uh, important uh, 
book data items that uh, we could improve, which is book covers and author images. Uh, mm. And uh, this one isn't connected to the internet, of course, so we couldn't search for URL of the picture of the author or the picture of the cover. But uh, I'm guessing some of the other APIs that are connected to the internet, uh, I'm thinking for the other, other models, uh, those could search. So I'm going to try it on their other site to see if we can actually get you better URLs for those because uh, it would save us a, a lot of time. And uh, yeah, basically it would let us, I guess, update uh, the covers dynamically. Uh, I know someone's been asking in the Discord uh, if... Uh, there will be uh, a time when users can uh, suggest edits for the book covers or upload their, their their book covers as well. So I'm hoping to do something for us to be able to do something even better, which is uh, actually like get better book covers from like all over the internet because they're bound to be somewhere. So that yeah, that's also that does interesting. Bring up it does bring up a good point though about like all this data that we get from open open ai i would still consider it to be like unverified data like no user has looked over it and said like this is correct so yes. the more the more specific data we ask for the more of concern that's going to be so for instance mm -hmm. if we're asking we're asking uh, it for like, what is the gender of author name? And we're adding that to our database. I think we would really need to make sure we also allow the ability for users to go in and mark that as wrong. <laughs> Let us know what yes. the actual data says, because otherwise, yeah, we, we can't rely on that data being accurate when it's based on the internet's uh, opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's a so, yeah, really, I, really good I think point. Yeah, uh, that's I that's think that'll, that'll like be excellent. like a big step. Yeah, I'm guessing over here. Uh, what's good is that uh, you know for key things like descriptions and uh, more sensitive uh, data, which you know would take like a lot, like maybe an army of people like working tirelessly to generate descriptions for one hundred thousand, two hundred thousand books. Uh, it will do like a really good job. I think in our case, the job of actual librarians would actually be flagging stuff, which is wrong. So that would be like way easier than actually generating or uploading covers or actually, you know, uh, doing, uh, editing that data themselves. So, uh, I think for every item in the book uh data on the book page uh there should be a way of i mean we do we have flagging now so uh i'm thinking of a way that in design uh, we can let people uh mark the things that are inaccurate and that would definitely be way easier for us to uh correct rather than generate, because I think in most cases it would be accurate, but of course there would be those cases in which it won't be because it's, it's still making stuff up. Uh, it's getting improved. I mean, this thing was released in November. So from then basically many of the things wrong with it were fixed uh, because basically you prompted to not say those things. So patching it up actually works really well, uh, but it's still making things up. Um, so for that uh, data that it does make up, because usually when it doesn't know something, unless you tell it to not make things up, if it doesn't know something, it makes things up. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, I mean, lately it's been saying, uh, I don't know, or I don't have access to that information, uh, but, yeah, it can make things up. So for those cases, I'm guessing flagging would flagging any piece of info, uh, but on a separate page, so you wouldn't have a little flag next to everything, would be 
an option. I, uh, I asked it, uh, how confident are you in this on a scale of zero to a hundred percent? It's like, as an AI language model, I am highly confident that the ISBN of the English version of Firefly by Brendan Sanderson is blah, blah, blah. My confidence level is a hundred percent as this information has been obtained from reputable sources and is widely available. So I, I'm really curious on like, if we'll be able to trust <laughs> like the confidence yeah. level, like, like if we make that a variable, like, you know, if we ask for mm, an author's gender yeah. and we say like, how confident mm. are you that this author's gender is X? Like, will that data be, will that, will that help us? Or is that just going to muddy the water even more? I think, I think no, either I, way. I might, it might <laughs> actually help us because, uh, if you, uh, put in a prompt that actually like pushes it to tell you if it thinks it's wrong, it's actually like going to give you an accurate answer or it gave me an accurate answer as far as I could tell, but, uh, yeah, that's actually like a good, uh, a good idea. I'm wondering if for sources where it's, I'm wondering if for anything, it could say like, I'm 80% confident or I'm 20% confident. <laughs> I, uh, I'm I guessing asked it about, not. yeah. I asked it about, uh, someone's sexuality and how confident they were. And it said, uh, they were hundred percent, but they said, it is important to note that people's identities are personal and can be complex. So it is possible that she may not identify with a specific label or may use different labels to describe her sexuality at different times. So, okay. That's actually very, a good disclaimer that we can put caveat. next to like an author's gender, because I mean, <laughs> that's the case many times. I mean, that's, that could actually be a good disclaimer for, for us as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's um... uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to be doing some some mockups in uh, Figma for some sketches on some how I see like some of the workflow of some of this working. Um, like very low fidelity. Just uh, here's here's kind of how I see the interaction working from a user standpoint, with the idea that we're we're getting a lot of this data from OpenAI and external sources, loading it into our system, and then giving people the ability to you know, tweak it, report errors on it, edit it. And I think I'd like to even lean away from reporting and more make it just anyone can just edit the data. And instead we give like a system for um, like rolling back errors if, if we have bad actors and automatically proactively banning people who are um, maybe making inaccurate edits. That'd so, be cool. Uh, I feel Are you like thinking to open this up? Yeah. yeah. Do you think this should be open to librarians solely or to like any reader on hardcover? Would you have to have a status for? I think, I think it would be open to everyone. Okay. That that's going to be an interesting experiment. I mean, if we have like a, a backup, yeah, I, I don't see why, why not? Everybody could be a librarian. Uh, I actually on this topic wanted to ask you because, uh, I found, uh, I, I was looking into libraries and I found some, uh, really interesting people on uh, TikTok uh, who, uh, either, uh, have book blogs or, uh, you know, uh, take this role of being book curators. So for instance, I found, uh, really nice blog, which I'm merging, I'm uh, encouraging everyone to visit. It's called Xolo books. It's X O L O books. Uh, and, uh, it's, uh, an online bookstore for, uh, intersectional and anti-colonialist, uh, books. And, uh, I was thinking having someone, uh, like that, uh, use hardcover, how it would benefit them. And if it's uh, useful to have, uh, certain, uh, let's say, uh, flair user flair for librarians, uh, or for, uh, bookstar owners, uh, that mm. can benefit them in some ways. I was even thinking of how it can tie into, because, uh, all of the books on, uh, this uh, particular store are books. I haven't like, 
really, uh, I think they're, they'd be really good to showcase on hardcover. So if someone had that account and let's say, uh, you know, those books were, would appear in the feed, I'm sure they would uh, find more readers. And um, I was actually planning to do like a library run around like small bookshops <laughs> in London to, to see uh, and actually like uh, talk to librarians to, if, you know, they're like the owners are around or if the cashier can tell me anything um, to see how it could benefit them. The main use case I thought could be useful is making book lists of the books they have in their inventory. Uh, for instance, uh, the bookstore for solo books, uh, I think is, uh, I have to check. I think it's through, uh, Waterstones or uh, no, it's not Waterstones. It's bookshop.org. I'll have to check. Don't take my word on that. But anyway, uh, I think just book discovery, not necessarily like the way books are sold, could be like a good uh, niche for 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 us. And I'm wondering uh, for those books which might not have good book data, uh, this would basically allow those people to uh, edit the book data themselves, right? Mm -hmm. If yeah. we do this. And yeah, they would, they would be able to edit it just like anyone else. Okay. That sounds, that sounds promising. I'm wondering yeah. what sort of trouble we'll get into. Uh, I mean, right now yeah. we don't have like spam content. So the users, the readers have to go through onboarding and I don't, I, have, I haven't, I don't know actually if any bots can actually go through onboarding without us knowing, um, do we have a system in place yeah. to verify like, uh, if they're real people, like who do that? Uh, we, uh, we do require that they confirm their email address. Um, so at least like they'd be able to use an account for, I think 48 hours. And then after that, they have to confirm their email address to use it. Um, but beyond okay. that, not really. So yeah, I think if we did allow anyone that's logged in to edit a book, we would probably want to add, we would want to, we would want to do it with a lot of smart limitations to prevent someone from just like using the API to just destroy the, our entire site, like yeah, true. limit the number yeah. of, limit the number of edits you're allowed to do per hour. Um, yeah, maybe don't allow, definitely... don't allow someone don't allow someone to edit unless they have like X number of books in the library, you know, just like a, a basic, a basic setup, or maybe like mm -hmm. you have to have had an account for a week or, or maybe like your, the amount you're able to edit increases over time. So like the first week you do an edit, you're only allowed to do five edits a day. And then after you've done that, yeah. you're allowed to do 10 edits, just like increase it yeah. over time. Yeah, we can also allow supporters to do as many edits as possible because yeah. those readers are verified. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it would and be the, like a good incentive for whoever wants to edit books that you know they're they're feeling strong towards. Yeah, and and when you were talking about like the flair for uh, librarians, or if we had flair for authors or bloggers. It made me, it made me think kind of about like a Rotten Tomatoes has like their audience score and their like critic score. Like mm. we could very easily do something like that where we have like, here's the librarian score for this book. Here's the blogger score for this book. <laughs> here's the reader score wow. for this book. Or here's like the student score. Maybe you can tag that you're a student. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great actually. I mean, let's think of uh, some flares. Uh, I mean, Forward, like, like, got like five or six <laughs> just then, and yeah, I mean, if that says easy to implement, uh, it's basically adding more options for flares, and uh, I think that's really cool. We we yeah. could tie it with ratings, and it would be like really interesting to to see, and yeah, 
yeah, it would uh, give. Uh, it would be interesting to see what librarians are on the platform, what students are on the platform, what book bloggers are on the platform. Yeah, that's gonna be like really, really neat. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. Well, this was this, this was a fun talk. I have I, I have some additional ideas for book data now that I'm gonna try to. Uh, write up a write up some notes on because yeah that, that's it's going to be our next big one that i'm working on so yeah this was this was good brainstorming <laughs> thank you yeah this, this was this was really good yeah it's it's been a really fun talk uh and uh i'm really liking how uh you know this direction for book data and for recommendations and for like what else we can do shapes up i think there's gonna be a lot of opportunities uh uh with the things that you know are popping up everywhere it's 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 really like exciting to like you know be able to use this uh and now that we almost have the android app out we'll be able to like actually show these updates and uh you know make uh, them more visible to to readers, which is definitely really cool. Yeah. Very exciting. Great. Well, until next week. Yeah. yeah. Talk to you next week. Okay. Have a good one. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye.